This is Margaret Kozlark, and you are listening to The First Deal Show. Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. here caroline with a k with another special guest who after some unfortunate luck we had pre-recorded this 30 episodes ago and here we are back again because technology does not always work with us so i have today margaret kozlark who is the co-founder of nobly vest syndicator and real estate agent welcome margaret thank you caroline and hi everybody in the 402 yes super stoked to have her on the show we've had quite some syndicators and her co-founder, uh, Christine, was also on the show, and you guys can check out that episode. But we're going to get into Margaret's story because it's a little bit different from Christine's. With that being said, we start the show the same way every week with the Kiss Me segment. So, Margaret, first question, as always, what was the first album you purchased? Uh, I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but it was Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen. Awesome album. You're not dating yourself. I had someone on here who their first album was a record, cassette. So Bruce Springsteen, probably CD, right? It was, yeah. Yeah, so don't even sweat it. Um, what, What was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate? Absolutely mindset. You know, I... If somebody had told me I, I could be part owner of an apartment building, I would have thought that they were crazy. I either thought it was corporations or just insanely wealthy people, not regular middle-class people like me. So then at what point or how did you overcome that? Because I think a lot of the listeners, that's their struggle is that they know that it's possible. They see people doing it. But how did you make that decision or choice to say, you know what, I'm going to try this, right? Because there is an inherent fear in making some kind of decision like that. Oh, 100%. And, you know, for me and, and probably for your listeners, I think it's all about certainly getting the education, but it really helps if you know somebody who's doing it. So in um, my case, I was working a W-2 job and one of my coworkers decided, you know, she was going to start doing this. She had a friend who was doing it, whose name was Joe Fairless, by the way, who is now very, very big in the um, multifamily syndication space. And so she said, oh, I'm thinking of investing with this guy, Joe, and he's buying apartment buildings. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds great, but you must think I am a lot wealthier than I am. Thank you, though. And, um, <laughs> and so very, very flattering. But she's like, no, no, it's it's not like that. You just, we all kind of go in together. Um, so it just seemed a little too foreign to me at first. So I just kind of thought, all right, well, you know, thank you. Let me know how it goes. And some people just say that to say it, but it really was interesting. So she went ahead and she invested with him and I kind of kept an eye on it. And she reported back to me her returns and how well she was doing. And I was like, okay, I need to try this. I, I like it. And so about a year or two after we first had that conversation, I was ready to go. So mindset was the first challenge. And then my second challenge was money right? Because I was a single mom at the time. I don't have $50,000 lying around. But what I did have um, was a 401k. 
because I had worked in a corporate job. So I converted that into a self-directed IRA so that I could control where the money went. And from that, I invested in my first deal. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I think it'll definitely help a lot of the 402 out. And what would you say something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you? Um, I don't know that I used, um, I don't know so much that I learned a new skill because I guess there's two things I can say. One is that I was one of the people who actually worked through the entire pandemic. I am a real estate agent and it was actually a really crazy time. So I'll just tell you, I guess, what it was like to be showing real estate during that time. I always used to say it was as if I covered myself in bubble wrap. So people were people were streaming out, you know, where we are in the New York, in the Northeast, especially from New York City and more populated areas. I live in suburban Connecticut. They wanted out. And so when you would go see a house, you know, we would have our masks on, of course, gloves, sh- booties on your feet. My buyers would have to keep their hands in their pockets. I was the only person allowed to open doors. And I would say to the owners of the house, open every door, every cupboard in your house. Just leave everything open so that nothing needs to be touched. And we would literally walk into the house with our hands in our pocket, peering at things and looking, but not touching a thing. It was a very bizarre time. So that's a little tip, I guess, just about the world during that time. (laughs) Cool. It probably looked very strange to them, right? Having all their cupboards open and (laughs) medicine cabinets or closets or whatever. Yeah. Um, And what is is your favorite quote? So I have so many different quotes, but I think my quotes all tend to revolve around mindset. So I would just say, you know, sort of guard your thoughts because your thoughts become your words and then your words become your actions. Right. So you always have to be aware that whatever is going on in your mind is really what's affecting your outcome. That is a great tip. We are big on mindset here at the First Deal Show. And with all that being said, where are you based currently and where are most of your investments? Sure. So I am based in uh, Norwalk, Connecticut, which is just about an hour from New York City. And most of the investments I've done personally are either in the um, probably the Sun Belt area, which would be Florida, Carolinas, Texas. I have also personally invested in a couple of properties up in um, Kentucky and Indiana as well. Cool. And so with all of that, let's get into it. So what was your first deal, Margaret? So my first deal as an LP, that very first deal that my um, colleague told me about was a 298-unit complex just outside of Dallas. It was massive, right? That that talks to you about the mindset, right? Like two years later, I'm ready to go. Great. Put me in this 300-unit complex. And um, anyway, so I put in 50000 like I said, that I got from my 401k. And two and a half years later, through the process, I had received quarterly distributions. We had refinanced it about halfway through. It was a value-add play, by the way. So as I tell people, think of it as a really large-scale fix and flip, right? It, need, it was tired. It needed work. So we bought the property, uh, refinanced it. We're fixing it up, sold it in two and a half years. And during that time, my 50000 had grown to 78000 with all of those distributions. So to make 28,000 in two and a half years, I was like, I really like this. I think I'd like to do this again. That's amazing. I know, right? The return, what, what year was this that you purchased? Uh, 2016. 
Wow. Yeah. So it was 2016. I think we sold it sometime close to 2019. So yeah. And so how did you source the deal? Like, what was that process? You know, because I think uh, for those that are interested in being passive investors, what their biggest question or concern is going to be, how do I find someone that is doing those things, right? Because there are certain restrictions with SEC. Well, so I was lucky for a couple of things because I was not an accredited investor, right? So if you are not, then that immediately shuts you out of a lot of deals because the ones that advertise, it's 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 sort of a catch-22, right? The people that advertise can only work with accredited investors. If you're not sophisticated or if you haven't really been doing this, you know, you're probably not accredited, but then you don't know where to go and you're sort of almost blocked out. I was really lucky because I knew somebody and you have to know somebody literally, not just from a kind of connection standpoint, but from an SEC compliance standpoint, you have to know somebody because if you're not accredited, um, then you can only do what's called a 506B, which means you have to have a pre-existing relationship with the person. So I was lucky because I had been introduced to Joe, obviously, and had been watching for two years. So when I was ready to go, we already had that relationship. Mm, I see. And so, you know, now that you're actively, you're able to leave your W-2, I'm guessing, from Mm -hmm. being a passive investor. So then you transition into being uh, a full-time syndicator. So tell us about your first syndication. So that one, that one's an interesting story too. So it was right before the pandemic. It was uh, just over a hundred units again, outside of Dallas and um, bought the property again, intending to kind of fix it up, move from there um, and, and then sell it, of course, eventually at a profit. So we bought it in the fall of 2019. And then six months later, the world literally shut down with this pandemic. And I always tell people, I don't care how good you are at projecting. Nobody had global pandemic on their underwriting. Like nobody had it, right? So so the world shuts down and this was a class B property, but a lot of our tenants were affected, you know, because some of them were, were waitstaff or, you know, worked at, you know, local kind of retail type jobs. So that was one thing. Then there was a freak ice storm in Texas and some pipes burst. So we had some water damage. And then there was a tornado. These all happened within like two years or so. Then there was a tornado that ripped off part of the roof. Now, all these things were covered, but it was like, oh my gosh, like what else is going to happen? But as I tell people, the beauty of this story is that in two and a half years, roughly again, after that, we we had planned to hold the property for five years. We ended up selling it in just under three because we got a great offer and we still made our investors just about 30%. So 30% in a pandemic, people were thrilled. It was a little less than we had anticipated, but honestly, we were thrilled. And I think it's because we were so conservative in our underwriting, even though we didn't predict an ice storm or tornado damage or a global pandemic, but we were super conservative just and have a lot of padding, you know, and just sort of a lot of, you know, I guess, safeguards just in case anything went wrong. So let's get into that then right what was your deal or what was your role in that deal yeah oh sure yeah sure so when you go in as a co-gp you have to have a role other than just asset or just capital raising right and and that's important that people know that because a lot of people i want to raise capital i want to raise capital you could get yourself a lot of trouble with the sec if you say that 
So that said, you know, I'm in Connecticut, the property's in Texas, so I can't be walking the units. I can't do a lot on site. But what I did do was I was involved with the marketing, the brand, the rebranding, because, of course, we rebranded it a little bit of um, planning, you know, kind of tenant events, that sort of thing. So I was involved with more of that information. Uh, And of course, I raised capital for the deal, but you have to do something else. So I was able to do the marketing type aspects because I didn't need to be physically located in Texas to do those things. Mm, Great. And then how did you guys source the deal? How many people were on we're in the GP team. Um, um, you know, tell us. It, you know, so it wasn't a huge deal because it was only about 111 units. There were, I think, six GPs. Um, I did not source the deal. I, I got invited to join, um, ironically, by another colleague of that same colleague who had told me about it back in my corporate days. So, yeah, exactly. So only two of us listened to her, me and this guy, um, Ike. And so we're like, okay, we like this. This makes sense. And then he ended up moving to Texas for other reasons, Um, was one of Joe Fairless's first um, mentees, joined his mentor program, and so was trained personally by Joe. So I trusted his ability to assess and, you know, um, look at a deal and and underwrite it well. and, And it did turn out to be the case. Oh, wow. And then it's like a small world. (laughs) Yeah, really, it just keeps on getting smaller. So how did you guys uh, find so you've, you know, your colleague finds the deal. deal. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. He invites you on. And then what happened from there? Like he says, Okay, you want to help out with this? And how did you know, like, yeah, I do want to do this. And um, I don't think we got into it. But you said that as a when you were an LP, uh, limited partner, passively investing just into a deal that that's what really got you interested in loving uh, being in the multifamily space or within syndications. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I should back up and say a couple things. Number one, I was a former math major and a form. I started my career as a media analyst. So I've always been a very nerdy left brain kind of person. So I love the numbers of it. But also when I was young, I also always had this interest in like real estate. I never really thought about it in terms of commercial real estate, but you know, I would drive around with my mom and she would point out houses. Oh, that house has such possibilities. Somebody should fix it up. So I love the value add play because I love the idea of, you know, everybody needs a place to live. Right. And some apartments are gorgeous and stunning, but a lot of them are a little dumpy and kind of tired. And so isn't it nice if you could buy something and, you know, fix it up and make a nicer place for people to live? Because often these are the people who are the heart of the community. They're the teachers like you. I always say they're the firefighters and the cops and the people who work at the grocery store. And and I kind of love the idea of like win, win, win. Right. So. Of course, we want to make our investors money, but we want to improve the property and we want to improve the community as well. So that's the best scenario. And I just like, that's what I liked about all of this. So I always go, I not always, but I do tend to tend towards the value add place. Considering that you went from being an LP to a GP, when all of these incidents started arising and you're like, oh no, because you have to report back to the investors, what were you saying to them? So first of all, I mean, okay, so I couldn't pretend there wasn't a pandemic, right? Like that cat's out of the bag. The whole world knew that. Um, and, and honestly, with some of the other stuff, you know, 
Okay, so depending on where the investors were located, you know, since it was my first deal, a lot of them tend to be in the Northeast as well. They might not be paying attention to what was going on in Texas. But my goal was I didn't want anybody to come back to me asking about something and wonder why did I have to watch on the news that there was an ice storm? Why didn't I hear this from you? So the best thing is always to be transparent because there were other things that happened, by the way, in Texas, you know, random, I don't know, tornadoes or mostly weather events that didn't affect the property. And so we like to get into this cadence of whatever it was. Hey, you may have heard there was some bad weather, you know, this weekend, only if it was something really big, of course, if it was a rainstorm, whatever, we wouldn't mention it. But um, yeah, the property wasn't affected or yeah, there was a little bit of, you know, some leaves and some branches down, but everything was great. But when it happened, you know, we, we were very upfront. Um, we said, you know, we just want to let you know, um, you may have heard about this record ice storm that happened. Um, unfortunately, we did have some pipes that burst. The good news is it's covered by insurance. So we are going to be submitting a claim. However, in the interests of safety and caution, we are going to pause distributions for a free month, a few months, just to make sure we can kind of, you know, increase sort of our, our safety net of cash until we get the insurance payments and then we'll resume and you will get any accruals that have happened during that time. So we kind of had to tell them because we were going to be pausing distributions and we did end up paying them all back, by the way, at any back money. But I think just as a rule of thumb, it's important to be open and transparent with your investors anyway, because people will, people will remember that one thing that you dropped the ball on and that will have so much of a larger effect than those hundred things that you did right, right? Because it's the one thing that you did wrong that kind of makes them go, hmm, what else are they not telling me? What else are they keeping from me? And it's really hard to get that trust back. So it's better, I found, if you're open about the things that are uncomfortable and might make people worried, yes, they might worry, but if you are on top of it and confident, okay, here's the plan. You know, we had an ice storm. This is what happened. You know, we had damage in two units. We got the insurance claim. If you're just like, boom, 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 like we're on it, it appeases their fears. And they also very much respect the fact that you told them because some people would have been like, oh, great. You didn't, you didn't even have to tell me. I would have never known. That's fine. Sounds like you got it under control. And I said, yeah, I appreciate that. But we just, you know, we respect your money. We take our fiduciary duty to your money and capital very seriously. And we just want to keep you in the loop. So that's kind of a lesson. So, yeah, no. And then I have a follow up for that, right? Because I've ha I've talked to other syndicators, operators who say that, you know, they're on top of those things. But are you individually calling every single investor or LP that's in on the deal? Or No, how normally this is all usually done via like a monthly update. So unless, God forbid, it was something tremendously severe, which Knockwood has never happened to me, um, it usually what we do is, so when they put their money in, they usually get regular distributions, which are usually either um, monthly or quarterly. But And those might take a few months to start because you got to stabilize the asset, especially if you're going to be making improvements. However, usually from, you know, from the month that it closes, every month they're getting an update. Here's occupancy. Mm -hmm. Here's what's going on. This is what we're working on. Here's some photos of, you know, the new parking lot lighting we did, or we, we did our first three units and we renovated them. Here's the before and after shots, that kind of thing. So we just put it in one of those monthly updates. I think a phone mm -hmm. call would almost make it seem more serious 
like, oh my God, why are they calling me? Holy cow, this must be really bad. You know? So we don't want to alarm people. We just want to keep them in the loop. Mm, I see. And so, you know, considering that you have quite a array of experiences, right? Like you're a real estate agent, you've done syndication. What would you say, like, has going full-time in real estate been what you thought it would be? Yes and no. Um, it's a lot, certainly it's a lot of work. Um, speaking, just taking off my syndication hat for a minute and putting on my residential hat, I can tell you that, and I'm happy, by the way, if anybody needs any advice about how to buy or sell a house, happy to help. But the funny thing is people watch HGTV and they're like, I'm going to be a realtor. This is so fun. I get to walk around, see cool houses, take some self, you know, videos. It's amazing. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Literally just last week, I had a client call me, true story, five o'clock at night before her closing, which was the next morning going, I really thought I had this, this like cleaning out, you know, under control and I, I'm so sorry, but I really need help. And I had to go with another agent and we were at our house for six hours, taking stuff to Goodwill, bringing, I mean, it is not how I would ever want to spend my evening, but it's like, okay, I have to help this person. What am I going to do? I was branding, grabbing whatever random people I could find to help. So mm-hmm. those kind of things happen. Thank God that was the only time it happened. And I hope it never happens again. But, you know, she had some special needs and, you know, you just have to be a decent human being and help. Yeah. And then on the syndication side, were there any surprises? Um, Just that there is a number one, like I said, I'm a math nerd, but even me being a math nerd, you see some of these underwriting sheets and they can be really, really overwhelming. There's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of new terms to learn. Um, you know, everybody has different ways that they evaluate. Some people like to look at the preferred return because they just want to get cash flow. They want to, you know, quit their job and make sure they're getting steady income every month. Some people like me, I didn't really care so much about cash flow because I was investing with my retirement money. So this wasn't going to be income for me anyway. So I was more concerned about making more money on the back end. You know, others want to see what market the property is in or, you know, what their reserves are. So you kind of have to figure out what stats are important to you. And really, no matter what, before you do anything else, try not to get dazzled by the pretty pictures and and all that stuff, but look at the market research. And this is where having a background as a research analyst, I think really came in handy for me too. And why, well, you know, so you knew someone that was actively investing, right? And then you decided to use your retirement money. So what was that process like? And, you know, are you comfortable? Like, how did you go around and say, like, think to yourself, like, okay, I don't have the actual cash on hand, but I'm okay to like invest this money that I have just sitting in savings or in your retirement. Right. So two answers to that. The first one is, and I realize as we're having this conversation, how very fortunate I was, right? Because first of all, I was fortunate just to be exposed to somebody who was doing this to introduce me to this because so many of us, we want to do it, but we have no idea where to start. I don't even know who's doing this. I don't know anybody. What, what do I do? So it's very lucky on that. Um, but the second thing is I was also lucky because she suggested the retirement money and said, here, go talk to this firm. They do this. And they walked me through their whole process. And I think that's what it is. Don't try to do it yourself. Find professionals, whether it's syndicators or people who handle those self-directed IRAs and let them guide you through the process. 
Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. And if you could go back in time, right, knowing what you know now, what would be one piece of advice that you would give to yourself or if you had the chance to do it all over? Okay, so first of all, oh my gosh, start earlier. Holy cow, if I knew now what, or if I knew when I started my career, rather, what I knew now, instead of like, I I was making really great money on a corporate career and I was buying all these stocks and everything because I feel like that's all we're sort of trained to think about, right? You know, make money and invest, but what are you going to invest in? Invest in the stock market. Like people don't really talk about investing in real estate, or if they do, it's go flip a house or go buy a single family rental. Nobody talks about pool your money with other people and buy an apartment building. It's just, even now you just, I hear it a lot because I'm in this, you know, sort of little, little world, but outside of that, people don't really know a lot about it. So I guess I wish I, I knew then what I know now. And then the other thing is, um, no man is an island and this is a team sport. You can, maybe you could buy a single family house and flip it on your own or fix it up and rent it. You cannot possibly do syndication on your own. You know, you need somebody who's on site to walk the unit. You need somebody who knows property management. You need somebody who can do the underwriting. Somebody who's good at marketing, somebody who can talk to people, talk to investors and explain the deal. Like there's so many different pieces that you need um, that it's multiple, multiple people involved. Yeah, that's great. And if the 402 is interested and want to learn more about you, Nobly Vest, where can they find you? Sure. So I am on um, LinkedIn, Margaret Kozlark. Um, you can also follow Nobly Vest on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook, mostly LinkedIn, I would say, and Instagram. We post a lot of content. We do monthly book reviews, monthly webinars. We're writing blogs all the time. So part of our mission, because like I said, I was lucky that I happened to have somebody cross my path that gave me information. Our goal is to provide a lot of free content and a lot of free information, everything from how to assess a deal, how do you look at something, how do you know what kind of thing to invest in, what numbers do you look at, what do the numbers even mean? So we provide all these like free blogs on this that anybody can go and get all this info for free. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and so that's a wrap folks. Uh, thank you so much, Margaret, for coming on to the show. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, too. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at first deal show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story or you just want to give us the dirt on your first deal shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show 402 thank you so much for listening i love all of you and i will see you next friday